Welcome to the American Association of Critical Care Nurses Leadership Podcast, exploring leadership in nursing through inspiring conversations. Today's episode is sponsored by AACN's online community forums, offering peer support to nurses on a variety of topics, with information available at aecn.org forward slash online community. Now here's your host, AACN's Chief Clinical Officer, Connie Barden. So this is Connie Barden, and I'm, I'm just thrilled today to get to talk to a new colleague, Casey Green. Casey is an assistant nurse manager in an ICU at LifeBridge Health, which is in Baltimore, Maryland. And uh, I'm also learning she's like a nursing superstar, but we're going to get into that. So Casey, welcome. It's so great to have you here today. Thank you for having me. I love the podcast, so it's great to be here. Fabulous. Well, why don't we start just hearing a little bit about you? Because, you know, I've been studying you and I've I've seen that you're you're not like I've been decades in the profession and ICU and all of that, and you've not been in that long, but wow, have you done a lot of stuff. You're a firefighter, you're a paramedic, you're an ICU nurse, you're an assistant nurse manager. You want to give us a little overview of how you got to where you are today? I became a nurse in 2015, so I've been a nurse for eight years, and I first started in an observation unit um, and quickly realized that I love critical care, so I moved um, both to the emergency department and um, to the ICU, and I just really kind of fell in love with both. Um, I started in the fire department volunteering and then went on to become a paramedic. And um, also then I really loved education. So I started clinical instructing and getting more involved in the education side and then also into critical care, nurse transport. Um, And then when the pandemic hit, kind of that opened up an opportunity where I saw needs and opportunities in nursing um, to be a leader. So then I kind of thought to myself, Everybody says, you know, that they have changes and if they want to do things, but they don't take the plunge. So I decided to take the plunge and become an assistant nurse manager. That's a big plunge, especially in the middle of a pandemic. Um, Let me ask you this. I know you mentioned very briefly that you're a clinical instructor. And one of the things I've seen on your resume is that you're what's called a nursing completion specialist, which is a, a title that I've not heard before. Tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, where I go, um, where I teach is actually unique. Uh, I also went there as a nursing student. So one of the big things that I wanted to do was give back to the place, but also the profession that kind of made my career and gave me so much. So I started as a clinical instructor and then worked in the lab and saw that there was opportunities to do completion specialist work, uh, which is grant funded. And you basically work with Uh, all of the resources that the college has offered and also the nursing professors to work with students to help them be aware of the resources that are provided to them and that are available at the college, but also just to be kind of a mentor, um, helping people realize that they might need tutoring and just meeting with them to help them be successful and hopefully get through. I do the first year of the nursing program, so getting through that first year where it is a lot of learning and a lot of the tougher role translation and transition into nursing. Wow. And you do that on top of being an assistant nurse manager full-time in the ICU. 
Yes. And doing nurse transport um, PRN. So wow. yeah, I like to stay busy. Yeah, yeah, no kidding. And you you mentioned that you are, is it Towson University where you're, um, is that the name of the school? Yes, I actually work for two colleges. I work mm-hmm. for Howard Community College, which mm-hmm. is where I went to nursing school, mm-hmm. and then also Towson University. Beautiful. So you're a community college graduate. That's where you got your start in nursing. Yes, and fully scholarship. So basically, um, there weren't many options for me. I got a lot of scholarships, full scholarships to go to school um, and worked all the way through the program. So I feel like I understand like, you know, just getting that first step. Um, but I got scholarships through community college and through my bachelor's and now on my master's program, too. That's incredible. You know, I've actually listened to you on other podcasts where you're encouraging people to look at the resources that are out there um, that can help. You know, college tuitions can be just really scary and and defeating. So you're kind of living proof that it can be done in some other ways if you're willing to look and find the resources and places to help you get through. Absolutely. And the motto for um, Howard Community College is you can get there from here. Uh So I've always say to every student that I meet, I'm living proof that you can get there from here. Um, It just I think there's a stigma with community college. So I'm (laughs) always there to shatter the myth that like community college graduates don't go on to do and be more. Yeah, absolutely. Isn't that the truth? And I know you've got like 17 certifications behind your name and record breaking, you know, if if it can be certified, you've done that too. So you're a picture of success and in this um, nursing completion specialist role, you're helping other people succeed every day. Yeah, that's really my goal is to give back. Yeah, I get it for sure. Well, let's jump over to that assistant nurse manager or A&M role because, you know, we give that title to a lot of people in a lot of roles, but it can look really different depending on uh, where you are. So what is what does your job look like there at LifeBridge in the ICU? It's a very unique position. I was kind of drawn to it because um, I really thought it's kind of interesting. LifeBridge model is uh, 50-50. So, and I say that to people and they're like, what is 50-50? I like say it like people know. Um, but it's basically where we work 50% of our shifts clinically and 50% um, administratively. So we actually spend two shifts on the floor, either in a charge nurse role or in the ICU. Um, we have patients if like a patient need is on balloon pump or um, continuous renal replacement therapy or things like that. So two of our shifts are spent in those roles, either as charge or on the floor, it can be precepting when we have a lot of new graduate nurses, um, but also then two of the days are administrative where we do the business side of it. And I like it because we get to, basically you get best of both worlds. You get the administrative side of the unit and there's four of us, two day shift assistant nurse managers and two night shift. And as a night shift nurse, um, it really drew me that there's night shift leadership. And I thought that that was really great because I had never had a night shift assistant nurse manager. So it's really nice. Um, And a lot of the role is supporting our staff. So even in the administrative shifts, if you need to go out on the floor and help people and troubleshoot things, you still are there to do that, along with like making sure that the the more administrative side, the staffing and outcomes and things are being met that way. 
Well, it's funny. I think you kind of answered a question I was going to ask you. I was going to say, what the heck drew you to this role? But I think it sounds like that it has both clinical component, administrative component. You got lots of support, another pal on nights, two other pals on days. Sounds like sort of an ideal situation that you're in, although really hard work and lots to do. It's a little difficult sometimes. I find it's working as a staff nurse. I was three days a week. So working four days a week is a little difficult. Um, working night shift, it's a little hard with meetings and just trying to balance your time so that you still have like your work-life balance and you're still outside of leadership and knowing when to answer the phone and when to, you know, you have to leave at certain times and pass it on to your counterpart on day shift or the other night assistant nurse manager, if there's something that needs follow-up, but you're not at work that night. Mm -hmm. So it's been a very interesting, but it's, it's really great because it definitely fulfills what I was looking for, which is really supporting our bedside nurses and staff nurses um, in the way that is like meaningful, but also enhances their practice and like brings them up to that clinically excellent level as they go on in their career. You just sound like a natural, um, well, caregiver, but also mentor and nurturer of other people. I bet people love working with you. And let me ask you something, because I know this is a passion of yours. You're a person of color, you're a woman of color. And I wonder if that influences you in this role at all. Do you think it does? I think it does. Um, one of the things that I've kind of experienced throughout my career is that, um, interestingly enough, I've kind of noticed over my time is that nursing is very diverse, but then when it comes to critical care, it is less diverse. And I feel like we, especially I work in Baltimore City and I've worked in hospitals in Baltimore City where there's a large uh, population of African-American patients, Black patients, Hispanic patients. And I am the only Black nurse or nurse, even nurse of color on the unit. So it's been, it's interesting. And I think in a leadership role as well, um, there's not many like Sinai has where I work LifeBridge um, has a lot of diverse leaders and that's also really what drew me to that organization but that's not the norm everywhere and I think as a black nurse as a person of color um, one of the things too that I didn't see was the representation of black nurses being the assistant nurse manager or the manager of a unit and being that go-to person so I feel like that also for our staff, and we have a lot of diverse staff and a lot of nurses of color on our unit, I think it also shows them that there are pathways and there are different paths that you can take. And it's not just being a bedside nurse, you know, it's getting into the space of critical care, but then also exploring other options. And I think even for some of the nurses who have been on our ICU for 10 years, they'll say, oh my gosh, it's so great that there's somebody that looks like me representing me in leadership. And I think that that's so impactful. And I wish that like I could clone 85 of myself so that people feel that support everywhere that they work. Yeah, I think that's really important. And so many of my friends and colleagues have told me this piece. It does matter seeing someone who looks like you and myself as a white person and person of privilege I don't see it in the way that you do because I come from this whole different perspective. So you really bring that depth and knowledge and wisdom. And um, yeah, it's interesting to hear you talk about that. 
Um, being an A&M, how does this impact your relationship with direct care staff? Are you sort of like their educator as well as their boss when they're on shift? Uh, how do you connect with people, do you think? I will say it's nice. Um, so I'm 30, so I'm not, I'm not, I've been a nurse for eight years, but I think sometimes um, it's funny to some of our staff because we've been nurses for the same amount of time, but they're older, they're older than I am, or um, they're, you know, we have older staff and younger staff. So being 30 in a leadership role, I jokingly say that my manager is also 30. So we say that like we're millennial management you know, we're more, I'm more likely to play around with technology and things, but for our staff, it's, it's an interesting, and sometimes it's difficult because you're in the trenches with them. So when shifts are awful, you're right there next to them. You're, you know, you are very much like bedside in this A&M role. So even if you're business, when we have codes on the unit and I'm business, I step out of the office and obviously go. If our charge nurse is getting slammed, the expectation is you leave the office and you help them because the business stuff is very important. But if our charge nurses aren't successful, it burns them out. It burns out our staff. So just kind of being a support and getting the calls from our new nurses who the charge nurse is helping another new grad. So they're helping, you know, you come out to help them. But it's also very interesting because when it comes to the discipline part, then people have to remember that you're still their management. So there's, you're still part of their leadership team. And I think for the most part, everybody is really good at that. Like when you work with them as charge or you're on the floor with them or precepting, but then when it comes to discipline, sometimes they forget that you're not like the fun aunt anymore. Now you have to like lay down the rules. I'm like, Hey, like, don't do that again. I am recently in A&M. I've only been in A&M for a year almost. Um, so I find that I fall back on, like when I was a staff nurse, what things did leadership say to me that didn't work and what things that did work. So I know if I have more millennials, I might text them and say, hey, can you come back in and document, you know, or um, even sending them a meme. So that that works for millennials and Gen Zers versus somebody who's in a different generational category. Um, I might send them like the baby boomers, I might send them an email and just kind of like informally come out. I don't call people into the office because that feels really like I did something very wrong. Right. So unless it's that, unless it's like really important that we meet, um, I usually am very informal. I'll sit down with people and just tell me, tell me what happened. And I think that that's the only thing that's interesting is you are so close to the staff and I feel like you get you're able to connect with them better because you're right there with them when we do new initiatives and getting buy-in on those. But then it's also the discipline part is sometimes difficult. Sure it is. Yeah. Whether they're younger or older, it doesn't matter. That part is just tough, isn't it? Being people's boss, so to speak. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Well, okay. Millennial leader, younger than most of us. Obviously, you're also very active on social media. I know you've got quite a presence on LinkedIn. and um, You've you've done a lot of work there, I think, amplifying your own voice and that of other diverse leaders. So one question I have before we go too far there. So you're called a top voice on LinkedIn. That's like a designation there. Can you tell us what that means? I wasn't familiar with that. Yeah. So every year at Neither Was I, I said that, you know, it's, you know, you've reached the professional like thing when you have more followers on LinkedIn than you do Instagram. 
um, or Facebook. So it's kind of an interesting like thing for me because I wasn't active on LinkedIn at all. And when I did all the certification things, um, actually one of my coworkers posted about on LinkedIn and it went wild and became viral for that coworker. And then um, the marketing department, when I worked at Johns Hopkins, actually called me and they said, do you have a LinkedIn? I said, uh, no. And they were like, get one right now. Create it, share your story, you know, talk about why you did your certification thing and what it means. And like, you know, you're a person of color. Why did you do this? And I shared that and it just kind of took off and I didn't expect that. Um, So basically, then I just started sharing organically my experiences as a nurse, things that I find interesting in healthcare that we don't try or we do try. Why don't we do it this way? We've always done it this way. Not Why not this way? So that kind of got the attention of LinkedIn and they reached out and they're like, well, you know, you've had all these viral posts from talking about healthcare. You know, uh, we do this LinkedIn top voices. I thought it was a scam. So I was like, tell me more. Um, So then I researched it and reached out to other people who were like top voices and they were like, no, it's a legitimate thing. So I became a LinkedIn top voice with all of these followers and just by talking about the things that I would speak to like people like my coworkers or my best friend, who's also who I used to work with. Mm. Um, and the things that kind of like, I've always thought like, Hmm, nursing and just from sharing those experiences. And it's kind of funny cause I'm not an influencer. Um, I just kind of share my experiences and I like to teach people. So that's kind of my socials outside of LinkedIn are more so like making the cute infographics to help people break down those really hard topics. So, and kind of like the nickname critical care Casey like happened. And I just kind of been like running it and just kind of living in that moment. But I remind people that like, I still have full-time jobs. So I'm not an influencer. I have a job. So I try to get back to people, but it's kind of interesting because it took off kind of out of nowhere, but being a top voice just means that when things, articles come out, like they get your opinion on them and they really try to keep a professional voice that's both diverse and representative of like the community. So for me, it's healthcare and just kind of like they'll send out something that's like, oh, we're running with this with this big like article, you know, do would you want to contribute to it or, you know, what's kind of your experience in this before we share it? And then from there they will share it out. And it's it's been a very interesting thing. And it's also, I really love having the voice. So I try to amplify others when I can. Well, no kidding. And I want to go keep on this theme about voice because you have got a voice that is making a difference in the world. And one of the things that I know about is that you wrote a letter a while back, I think in the last year or two. And uh, you wanted to talk a little bit about being a community college gal and uh, you had quite an interesting experience that came out of that. So why don't you share with us about that? When I did all the certification things, if you have not heard of these things, um, in 2021, I became the 85th nurse to have all five of the board of certification and emergency nursing certifications. And I also have my CCRN and my CMC um, cardiac medicine certification from AACN. So when I did that, um, I kind of was like sharing it because to me, it was a big deal, not the 85th nurse thing, but just kind of like the impact of setting goals and 
I wanted to become certified in all the specialties that I worked in and just be, you know, I hadn't, I didn't have, I had people to look up to, but I never had anybody who looked like me to look up to. Um, and then I learned I had mentors and things that kind of came from um, that experience. The mentors that I had said, you know, well, you know, what really motivated you? And for me, um, Dr. Biden really like she was so pushing so much forward for community college to be more on the radar, to get rid of the stigma of community college. And, you know, it doesn't mean anything. You should be a proud community college grad. And I, I really am. So I wrote a letter to the president and the first lady. And I didn't, I was like, you know, I'm going to send this letter. Nothing's going to happen, but you know, it's going to be something that I share my experience because it's important that she know what she's doing has impacted me to continue on and sharing that community college nurses do, we do go on and we do, we can become great. And I shared it. And then someone from the president's correspondence office reached out to me and invited me to an event. And I thought that it was, we were, my husband and I, he's a new grad nurse. So we thought we were just going to be going and having this event and getting to hear, you know, they wanted nurses that, you know, to represent the audience because that was one of the topics of the night. I was like, okay. So we rushed and it was really short notice. Um, and we rushed and got everything together. And, um, then we, when we got to the event, we got to sit really low and right by the stage. And I was like, this is cool. And, uh, right before the event started, um, Dr. Biden actually walked in front of me and I thought, oh, it's so cool. She's walking beside me and then said, can I sit next to you? And I was like, yes. <laughs> so I got to spend my evening um, with Dr. Jill Biden and I got to meet the president. My husband and I met the president and um, Anderson Cooper, who was hosting it. And it was a very like great evening. And then from there, we got invited to the White House. That was in October. And then we got invited to the White House in December and just kind of really got to keep like a relationship with them and kind of like keep on the journey. And, um, you know, I think that for Dr. Biden, it was great to see like somebody that goes to me community college. that's like really about it. And she was really excited that I was an educator as well. So it was a really cool night that happened. So the moral of the story is use your voice. Isn't that the truth? Oh my goodness. So what I what I heard you say at first, and I hear this voice thing all over everything you say. I talk to my staff, I, I do all this stuff on social media, et cetera. I just decided to write a letter, old-fashioned letter. I knew nobody would pay any attention to it, but I just wanted to put it out there. This is such an important point. You know, using one's voice, not necessarily for the response that you'll get. You had no clue. In fact, you didn't think you'd get a response at all. In fact, when they first contacted you, did you kind of think this is probably a scam too? <laughs> yeah, it was a DC number. And I was like, I was actually tutoring someone. And I said, okay, hold on. This number's called me twice. Let me, I don't, I was like, I don't, these car manufacturer warranties are going crazy these days. Right. Um, so I was like, let me just mute you real quick. And then they're like, um, this is so-and-so from the president's office. And I said, who? Sure, this right. so-and-so yeah. from the White House. Um, you said White House, like, <laughs> like a White House or the White House? And she's like, oh, the White House in D.C., you know, the president. And I was like, OK, um, so I <laughs> I did not think that it was a legitimate thing. And I actually called my mom. I was like, so the craziest thing just happened, mom. And so um, <laughs> she was like, really? 
So it was a very, very surprising. And I actually was speechless for the first time in my life. And I forgot my husband's name and he'll never let me forget it. Um, when we met the first lady, I was supposed to introduce him. And I just was like, I just couldn't say words because I was so <laughs> awestruck. It wasn't even like you had time to prepare. You thought she was walking by and here she is pulling up a chair, having dinner next to you. That's so yeah. great. That's so great. And, and uh, good for your husband that he said yes and didn't act like he was busy that night. So that's yeah, quite a memory he, for both of you. He just likes to, he goes along to everything, which is really nice because he's just starting his career. Mm -hmm. um, and he's, it's kind of interesting because while he is a white male, because he's a male in nursing, he mm -hmm. is a diverse individual himself. Um, so it's kind of just interesting, like taking the ride together and like, he's just starting his career while I'm in the middle of mine and he gets to go. He's like, I just get to go to all these like great places and meet people with you. So he likes it. And he doesn't, now he doesn't say no. He doesn't even question it. I'm like, Hey, we got invited to this event. And he's like, okay, I'm going. <laughs> Sounds great. Don't say no to critical care, Casey. That's for sure. Yeah, He's learned. I just uh, received a Daisy Award as a uh, nurse leader Daisy Award. Well, congratulations. And yeah, I'm the second person at LifeBridge to have received it. He was he was working. We worked together in two separate ICUs, but he was working and his leadership was like, you're going, right? And he was like, well, yeah, I, I just didn't ask. They're like, yeah, no, you're, we're going to pull you off the unit to go. And he was like, okay. He just doesn't even say no. He's just along for the ride fully now. Good for him. Smart man. Yeah. Well, wow. So you've got all kinds of experience around EDI, um, equity, diversity, inclusion, and, and all that kind of thing from a bunch of different angles. Um, when you look at all of that from a very different perspective, quite a unique perspective, um, the view of a millennial, the view of a community college nurse, someone who, who uses their voice, and what makes you optimistic when you look forward? You, you say you're in the middle of a career, but you got a long ways to go because you also tell us you're 30 years old. You know, you've got many more years if you choose to to do so. What makes you optimistic about the future of nursing? I think that we're in a really um, interesting time. I think that millennials are pushing, millennials and Gen Zers are pushing the issues of like, why are we not doing this the way? And I think that um, a lot of changes in the workforce and just nursing, like nursing is not the same as when I started in 2015. Um, and I think it's really pushing. There's a lot of things happening in the profession that are negative things, but there's so much more positive things that are happening. Like, you know, right now, new graduate nurses are coming out of school and you don't have to work in med surge. Med surge is its own specialty. And I think that the idea that we ever had that you had to work in med surge and then go to another unit, you know, that burns people out and, you know, gets them, you know, you have, used to have to work. Um, years before you even decided to go to critical care. And the only reason I even got into critical care as a new grad was because my unit closed, which was alarming as a new graduate. But, you know, the times have changed where um, nurses that are eight to 10 years, I'm lucky to be at the bedside and supporting people. But a lot of it's, it's not, it's a lot of new nurses orienting new nurses. And I think, um, nurses who have been in the profession longer are leaving, but it's also, I think, new grads that are looking for clinical like excellence and they're excited to go in, right into a specialty and excited to learn are kind of invigorating um, the nurses who have been 
at the bedside for 10, eight to 10 years, even in our unit, nurses who have been at the bedside um, who were like, I don't want to precept people. Well, then they see a nurse who's just so energetic and wants to know everything about critical care. And it really makes them think of like when they were new and they were looking for information and teaching that ownership of like, I want to teach you how to be the nurse that I became. And I think that um, we've done a lot of work with pairing people. And I think the profession is better for it. We're less, we're more supportive as a profession than kind of like nurses eat their young. We're really going away from that model. And I think that that's lucrative to keeping new graduate nurses in the profession and just understanding that like people are not lifers in units anymore, but also what can we do to like keep that? So for me, it's interesting because, you know, I think that people sometimes they get into nursing and then they forget that two, three years in, you can do something else in nursing. You know, if you work in an ICU and you decide you don't want to be an ICU nurse, but you still want to do critical care, there's a thousand different things you can still do in critical care nursing that's not working in the ICU or even working in the emergency department. There's all these other options and avenues. And I think that with social media and, you know, nurses being on TikTok, there's negative parts, but the positives are you're seeing so many different avenues that nurses are working in and so much positive, like sharing of roles and education and backgrounds and having conversations like, I don't think that people were having a conversation about diversity, equity, and inclusion. We call it Jedi at LifeBridge, justice, equity, diversion, inclusion. Um, But I don't think that we were having those conversations and really even seriously considering them as people, like it's important to know people's backgrounds and celebrate them. And you can do that without marginalizing someone else. And kind of realizing that that's something that we should be doing is knowing people of diverse backgrounds. So I think that those are really exciting things. And those are the things that kind of like keep me excited in the profession. And I'm on just about every DEI committee from Society of Trauma Nurses to Society of Critical Care Medicine. If it's, you know, if we're interested in diversity and equity, I'm there because everybody should have a seat at the table. But it's just exciting to be in nursing right now where it's so it's so portrayed negatively, but it's really exciting time. It's re reframing what nursing is and what it's not. We're not the people who, you know, take orders. We critically think we're supposed to be the 82 steps ahead of everybody else. And I think that we're in that spot now and why I share the certification journey of you have the, we are clinically excellent. We make a difference in patients' lives and we don't wait. We anticipate, we don't wait. So I think that that's really becoming a thing of like being the person that says, hey, this doesn't feel right. And, you know, whether it's related to diversity and and like the whole professionalism in nursing or just related to patient care, it's just a really exciting time to be a nurse. And there's a lot of negatives, but the positives, just revamping the profession and what are we, what where is nursing going? It's just really an exciting place to be right now as a nurse. You are just amazing, Casey Green from Baltimore, Maryland. I um, would love to just keep going with you, but you know they'll get the hook and they'll they'll tell us we've we've talked enough. But you know, a lot of times I end these podcasts by asking my guests, you know, what gives you hope. But I'm gonna I'm gonna change it up this time, and I'm gonna tell you 
that meeting you and learning about you gives me hope for the future of nursing. I've been a nurse for a really long time. And after a while, it is easy to get sort of, you know, like, oh, this is getting old. And, you know, we've been fighting this fight for a long time, et cetera. But you are amazing. And it gives me hope to know that you're leading this profession. I see a millennial leader. I see a nurse leader of color. I see a community college hero. Um, someone so unassuming and wise and, and like your mantra is give back and everything that it's not just stuff you say, it's stuff that you do. I think the thing that endears me to you so much is using your voice, whether it's on social media or writing a letter or whatever, so uh, clearly just talking about all the things that need to be said, whether it is about nursing or EDI or JEDI or you know whatever we're talking about at the time. It gives me so much hope, and I uh, really want to thank you for not only inspiring me, but I'm pretty sure everybody who's been listening to us today. I uh, I will wrap up by saying I read a quote somewhere, I don't know if it was on, uh, online or somewhere, that you said, I didn't tell you I was going to say this, but somewhere you said, I'm just a community college gal who has continued to have big goals, someone my parents could be proud of. And what I want to tell you is I am 110% sure your parents are super proud of you. So Casey, it's been my privilege to just chat with you a little bit today. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the American Association of Critical Care Nurses Leadership Podcast, proudly sponsored by AACN's online community forums with information available at aacn.org forward slash online community. We welcome your thoughts on this episode or ideas for future topics. Feel free to email us anytime at podcasts at aacn.org.